Welcome to another episode of Becoming Referrable, the podcast that helps you be the kind of advisor people can't stop talking about. I'm Julie Littlechild, and on this week's show, Steve and I are joined by Jay Poulter, who's the CEO of Jay Poulter's Social Advisory. The work that Jay does includes digital media consulting, both for businesses and for their leaders, with a focus on the finance and technology industries. He helps his clients understand how to leverage social networks to build brand visibility, authority, and influence. And to that end, he provides content marketing and curation, coupled with strategic outreach and engagement of key industry influencers. Steve and I talked to Jay about the very important differentiators between digital and traditional marketing and dive deep into a really fascinating discussion on influencer marketing. We asked Jay to shed a little light on why and how advisors can use this strategy, and we talk about the future of digital marketing in the industry, and as always, tie all of that right back to how it can make advisors immediately more referable. And with that, let's get into the conversation. So Jay, welcome. Great to have you here today. It's great to be here. Um, so, Jay, I have known you for many years, and I should say, just as a way to begin, it's Jay's fault that I do a blog every week, entirely <laughs> Jay's fault. He he harassed me for long enough to get that going, and and look at me now. So, thank you for that. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we all, all of us dedicated readers, thank you for that. Um, so... Look, Jay, I wondered if you could just start by telling us a little bit about the work that you do, just to give listeners some context. Yeah, so I uh, I focus on on social media, digital digital media, social networks, really, and um, and I specifically focus on using influencer networks to uh, to increase your visibility in the online world and but it's really a two-way two street i really help people understand how, how social networks are important for them to uh learn things about the, the markets they're working in the business they're working in so it's a, it's really a two-way street that's what you're putting out as well as what you're uh what you're learning and bringing into your business so um yeah strategies around that more public relations but related to marketing if that okay uh, okay helps at all yeah, absolutely. And and so I want to really dig in on the influencer marketing because I think that's just such a, an, an interesting topic and, and you're the guy that knows about that. Uh, but maybe just as we lead into that, could you just talk a little bit about, you know, if we look at digital marketing as a general concept, how does that stacking up today against what we think of as more traditional forms of marketing and, and maybe even just drawing a distinction between those two? Because I imagine the line's getting a bit blurry these days. Well, I think I think it is. It's hard to see. Everything is becoming digital in terms of marketing these days. But uh, the, the the fact that I like to point out is the consumption of digital media has been growing for uh, the last number of years. And if you imagine, you know, if you imagine that uh, uh, line of a graph moving upwards, the consumption of traditional media is a line on the graph moving downwards, and they're about intersecting at this point, where the they're they're about equal. People are consuming the same amount of content online as they are offline. You know, traditional, I guess, television, radio, news, newspaper, printed newspapers um, versus uh, online, and uh, and so. Uh, it's really important that you have, I think, both elements in, in uh, many businesses. You really need to have both elements, digital and, 
traditional marketing uh, working together um, in a collaborative way. So uh, I mean, it's it's no longer you really can't avoid and ignore digital anymore, and you really can't um, you can't af- uh, you really can't afford in some ways certain businesses to avoid traditional media. Still, there's still a role for that. It feels like the the uh, with the onset of digital, it's it's even changing how we define marketing. Right? I know when I was. Uh, growing up in this industry, marketing was really, uh, it was salesy. It was, you know, it was all about just getting your product information out there. And and that is, I mean, it's really changed so substantially. I, I know I don't think about marketing in even close to the same way I did back then. Is is that the case for you as well? Well, I, it's funny because I talk about what I do often more in a public relations perspective than a marketing perspective, but, but it, it has everything that I do and I advocate people do online has implicit marketing implications and benefits. And yet you don't conduct yourself in an explicit marketing way. I mean, they say, uh, you know, teaching and helping is the new selling. And much of what we do online when we're engaging uh, in social networks, what we should be doing is certainly as individuals is, is helping, is, is, is engaging, is helping, is sharing, is interacting. Um, and sometimes the most effective ways, and we can talk about this in more detail, the most effective ways to promote yourself in a marketing way is, in fact, to promote other people and support a community um, of, of common interest online. Yeah, I, d- I just wanted to dig into this a little bit just because it's 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 always been my impression that that for smaller advisory firms well for advisory firms you know as 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 distinguished from national brands traditional marketing really wasn't open or wasn't a viable option because there were, were you could never achieve the scale and so it seems like with the social with the social world um like you're saying, it's 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 a little more akin to PR, and it seems like advisors actually need to develop new skills around this that they didn't have to before. Because it's really not like selling; it still is marketing, but um, but that they have to start, you know, developing these muscles that they didn't have before. What what are your thoughts about that? And if if you see some agreement there, what what kinds of skills should advisors be picking up to um, exploit this new medium? Well, that's a that's a great question, and I think it's you're suggesting exactly the right point, which is um, I see a lot of engagement activities that advisors and really any business owner, business leader should be doing is um, more akin to to networking than it is to uh, to you know corporate brand based marketing. And um, I think there's room for both to happen in any business, and both should be happening in any business. But in most cases, the individual uh, led networking activities, which are really only expanded by, by online digital networks, social networks, um, are not being done adequately. That the business leaders um, who might, I mean, in this case, advisors may be going to networking meetings in person. They may be going to breakfast meetings and they may be meeting people and having interactions. And that's precisely the model that I would encourage um, advisors to look at social networks as a networking forum for them to um, not just meet new prospects, but in fact, you know, meet peers and broaden their networks and meet smarter people than they are who can bring them knowledge. And but but through all of those uh, relationships that you're seeking to build, rather than transactional interactions, you're looking to build relationships with people. And there's all kinds of value in those relationships. That's the same way as as we have value in all of our networks, right? I mean, we all have no people. Those relationships are valuable to us in all kinds of ways. And social networks should be seen in that more in that light than in a marketing uh, light. And and uh, most advisors 
would need to work on those muscles 100%, especially in a digital sense. They may understand them in a traditional sense, but they don't know how to translate networking um, into a social networking environment, digital networking environment. And is that what you refer to as influencer marketing? Is that all part of parcel? Maybe you can define that that term for us. Yeah. So unpacking a term is very important because influence, influencer marketing in a, in a B2C uh, consumer business environment these days means finding, a, a, um, finding some kind of celebrity and then paying them to tweet, you know, uh, some advertisement of your product or mention of your product or share something on Instagram. That's what people see as influence mark, influencer marketing. And it's really not the case when you're in more um, business to business uh, services. And I, even though advisors clearly that are doing retail services to retail clients, there's still an extent to which, I mean, the referral aspect of businesses is, is, implies a kind of a, a B2B relationship you have with other centers of influence who might be referring people to you in addition to your clients. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I, I think influencer marketing in an advisor's context means going into social networks, finding people who are influential in, uh, in your market space and building real substantive relationships with them. Uh, with those people online and and investing time and energy in that the way you would any other relationship building activity and over time there's there's a, a collection of social uh, capital if you will that comes positive social capital that comes from those relationships and th- that can help you and your business in in infinite numbers of ways we could talk about so how do you identify those people I mean some are going to be obvious I mean granted but you know not all no, I mean, uh, you know, you can you can do homework. There's some shortcuts that you can use online tools to to find to do some social analytics. There's some very powerful tools today, because virtually everything that happens in social media is uh, is trackable and measurable. There there are some pretty sophisticated tools for identifying who who is sharing information in a topic area that you're interested in. Um, uh, and who you know who's getting the most traction in those in that area who it's not even only about the most followers but who who has the most followers who themselves have influence in large networks so so i i have a variety of tools that i that i use and that's often the first step when i'm when i'm working with someone is to help them identify you know here here's a hundred key people that we need to be paying attention to in social networks and um and I can usually do that a lot quicker than uh, than people can, but it's all it's all accessible information. The internet, as you know, is just rich with with that kind of analysis these days. And then you and you filter that with your own um, your own instincts because influence is a funny term because it's you know there's there's no really uh, objective influencers out there. There's people that you find influential, uh, and there's people that you're particularly interested in. And, um, and there's people that have an audience, they may have the audience that you want access to. So that, you know, defines them as relatively influential to you, because you, you're interested in their audience, too. So you may pay attention to them. And Jay, can you elaborate on that a little bit? Because, uh, you know, when, because the internet, of course, is worldwide. And um, I'm worried that if we say something like that about influencers, that, you know, the, the advisors will, will try to be a Barry Ritholtz, or will try to be, you know, somebody huge like that when really their clients are coming from a for most advisors they're coming from a local area so can you talk a little more about how to identify influencers that are both connected with consumers that they'd like to be connected with connected via particular interests but also if if to the extent that there is what what how you control the geographic component to it 
Yeah, so uh, for sure, I would I would agree that you um, you need to have some limits, and I think uh, influence is a relative term again uh, geographically. I mean, the beauty of the internet and the democratization of communications, in a way, is that celebrity itself, the notion of celebrity and and, and visibility and and you know being know, known. Um, is a relative term as well. So, so there's it's a it's a spectrum of of celebrity. You don't have to be you know a Hollywood star to have uh, notoriety or visibility in a specific business sector, for instance. And and so um, you know, while guys like Barry Ritholtz and and uh, and sort of these Uber influencers in financial services um, are they're good models in some ways geographically they, they become global they become global influencers and the nature of the influencer community online is is global and I wouldn't dismiss the fact that it's global as, as meaning that it doesn't have an impact directly on someone's more local business because we all we all want to do business with someone who's recognized as a leader uh, in their space right and this is really what influence outreach and engagement influencer outreach and engagement can really give you is the sense that um, you're recognized by other global influencers as somebody who knows a specific subject area has a particular um, you know specialty and expertise and is a thought leader even if you're not you know if you're not on the list of the top 50 you know financial advisors or advisor bloggers um, in the world you you, if you're interacting with those folks and building relationships with them, you you get some influence and you get some um, uh, visibility and authority from those relationships. And so, so I, I wouldn't dismiss them because they're global, but um, but you can you can translate the authority you get from those relationships into something that's more locally focused around your business. If that makes any sense. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So, can you give us some examples of of those, uh, and particularly advisors, who you think are really doing this well? Well, I mean, you married. You may, sorry, mentioned Ritholtz. Um, if you, you know, I what I tend to do. Um, Michael Kitchies has a great list of uh, uh, you know of top bloggers uh, in four advisors, and some of them are advisors. Some of them are. Um, you know, analysts that aren't really serving clients, but many of them are are advisors. I think they're all doing. Um, they, they would clearly be all doing an excellent job at articulating their view, building an audience, building their authority. Um, uh, you know, I can't. Uh, I mean, and so they're from a wide range. I mean, some of them are you know have a exclusive practices. Some of them are IAs. Some of them are financial planners. Um, they're so my sense is that you can start there. And at the same time, I don't know that you, um, I don't know that you have to only hold that. I mean, it takes a long time and a lot of writing as you would know very well, Julie, <laughs> to, to launch yourself into this space. Right. I mean, to, and to be on the top of that list. And I don't know that for any advisor that being on that list, I mean, it certainly wouldn't hurt your business and none of these people would, would be hurt in any way by being on these lists. But I don't think you have to be the top fifty or hundred in the industry to um, to still be uh, influential and to still uh, build your authority. I mean, this is really a strategy in a business where authority matters. It's really a strategy of uh, of, of trying to uh, articulate your perspective and your unique point of view, and uh, and to do it in as part of a community of people who are. Who, who who are recognized as some sort of authorities in these spaces. And, and the authority is partly granted by a community of people that are reading these folks and sharing their content. And it's also 
granted by association with the group. So when you, you, you literally identify your group and insinuate yourself into it as a member and, and by building real relationships, you become a member. I mean, you become somebody who may not be on that top tier in terms of the lists, but you, you have those folks sharing your content. I mean, anybody on this list of, of on Michael's list of top uh, bloggers for uh, uh, financial advisor bloggers, if they share your content, then there's a way in which you're, you're getting um, some, some credit and some authority from their influence. And so that's really what the strategy is about uh, is not necessarily being at the top of the list, but being among, among the community of folks that are on these lists. Right. And I think, you know, I mean, you make a good point. There's an, a point at this at which an actual human connection is made, even if it's digital. I mean, if you're if you're doing it digitally, it's and, and so often it's easy to think of social media as just throwing stuff out into the ether. But this this really does come down to making quite meaningful connection. So, you know, for if, if an advisor is thinking about how can I uh, go through this process. Is there a, a set of questions he or she needs to ask themselves, or a kind of a step by step to move forward? Yeah, that's a very that's a very important point to make because I would argue this this strategy is not really suitable to lots of people. There's there's lots of people who don't have the personality uh, for it. They don't enjoy this kind of activity. They, they, they don't, I mean, they don't love meeting lots of new people. They don't love investing time in building relationships that they don't, um, they don't know what they're going to produce in the short term. And there's other people that just, they, they thrive on that. that, that, that's what makes them. And that's what they love the most about their business. They're meeting people all the time. They're curious about new people they're curious about their, their own ideas. They love writing them down. They like engaging in conversation and, and discussion and debate about these things and lively debate with people. So there's a certain personality um, profile, if you will, of people that uh, would, would do well in this space. And, you know, they're, I would say you're outgoing in the sense of being a networker, but not necessarily an extrovert because there's a lot of introvert a lot of introverts that are active in social networks because it's not like being in a room with a bunch of strangers and walking around and meeting people. And so introverts have a, have a nicer um, experience online. Often they can, they can be extroverted in a way without being the extrovert in a, in a, in a real situation. And, and anybody who's really engaged in social, I mean, both of you, I think are, are, are active. You, you know, you've, you've had these experiences. You really can meet you can meet new people who who really enrich your life because you never would have otherwise met them. You wouldn't have gone to an event and met them. You wouldn't have. You can meet these complete strangers. You can become friends with people. You can build friendships and relationships, and then those relationships can be really valuable to you. I mean, genuinely meaningful uh, opportunities can come out of those relationships. Um, so it's a, it's a real thing, and I think you, you just have to have a lot of. Uh, you have to have some of the open-mindedness and, and, um, and passion about, about people and connecting uh, in order to make it work. Uh, that's a bit of a soft answer to, uh, but I, I, for sure, I think a lot of the listeners, there's a lot of folks in here who I think that should reason, uh, who, who will self-select who are listening to this program and say, that's really not for me. And, um, and I think that's, that's appropriate because <laughs> there's a lot of people it's not appropriate for. And there's other people who it, it would be a perfect fit, and they just haven't figured out how to do it, um, uh, and how you know how to leverage. I mean, again, Julie, you've been you, 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 I was bugging you to write because you're a natural, 
writer. You're a natural engager with your content intellectually. <laughs> I mean, it's something you, you just had to do at some point and you've clearly proven me right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I just I just I just I just love the characterization of, of, of this process as like networking for introverts. Um, and so, so how does so how does how does an introvert sort of or I, I'm joking about that. How, do, how does someone get started in it? What, what, what would be the um, how, how they would start off on it? Well, you know, the thing, the easiest thing to do really in social networks and, the, and the, the core, the oxygen of social networks is sharing content. Right. So the easiest thing to do. And really useful thing to do, and I do this for clients and I do a ton of it for myself and my own anyways, is just finding, like dedicating time to reading what people are sharing and then picking the best material from that and sharing it. And that, that really sharing things is the coin of the realm in social media. It's, you don't have much, I mean, you can share your opinions, you can share your marketing material, but you can do that once in a while. If you do it too much, people start getting bored of hearing your opinion all the time and hear, and reading your marketing material all the time. If you want to be engaging and build relationships, you have to be, you have to be channeling uh, uh, information that's relevant to your audience. And, and you know, my gut instincts around that is just pay attention to what you're interested in in your business. If you use your own filters and if you externalize what you're, own, you're filtering for yourself and share content, that's one of the best ways both to become visible to influencers and start building relationships with them, uh, as well as start to create content that's usable for, you know, and interesting to an audience you're trying to attract for your own business purposes, your own practice. So sharing well, and, and, and Jay, you, you mentioned, I, I picked up two things in what you just said that I think are really important to emphasize. First is that it doesn't all have to be created. I mean, you, you can you, you can go out there and find content that you can then share. So you'd one of the resistances I hear from advisors is, oh, when am I going to find the time to create all this content? But you don't have to create it all. And the other the other thing that I'm sort of picking up from it is that um, you know you're, if you're looking to develop those relationships with people who are in your target market, it doesn't even necessarily have to be financial in nature. Is if it relates to the interests of your tribe, if it relates to the interests of the people that you want to attract, then you can be sharing that too. And it doesn't, in fact, in some ways, it may be better than sharing market data or economic data or those kinds of things. Is that, am I hearing that correctly? Or how do you feel about You're that? You're absolutely right on 100%, right on. It, for, for, and I'll take the last point first, which is, you're absolutely right. You're if you think of yourself in a social, if you as a networker instead of a marketer in in these networks, then um, then yeah, I mean you're you're meeting people in a real world situation. You're not talking about your business and the market all the time, every conversation. At some point, you're talking about sports. At some point, you're talking about what's happening with your kids or your family. At some point, you're talking about the vacation you went on or the the newest gadget that you got. So. If those things are important and relevant to you, by all means, share them. Now, I mean, you have to be balanced and make sure that you, you don't become the, you know, the guy that just talks about hockey or football um, because people will think you're in that business. So you, you have to balance it. But, uh, but from a, certainly from a compliance point of view, it becomes way better to be sharing content about life and life interests and passions you have than it does about market stuff where it gets very thorny. So, so that's a, that's a huge point. And, and the fact is you're right. If I would say to somebody, if you can, if you can squeeze out, you know, four to six really great articles a year, I mean, that's not very much from, you know, the content point of view, but if you can do that in the meantime, 
just create this really rich stream of the best stuff you're reading that's relevant to your audience that you find engaging and interesting. Um, I think you're better served by that than you are trying to write a blog post a week that becomes kind of boilerplate, you know, stuff. There's a lot of there's a lot of boilerplate content out there that's just that's it's noise and it doesn't stand out from the from from the crowd and and a lot of it's written by marketers trying to market. And people get tired of that. They really, they're not interested in being marketed to. They're interested in exploring, engaging in content. Um, and that doesn't have to be topical to your business. It can be something else that's uh, gets somebody, somebody gets into their space and they say, this is an interesting person. Uh, I'd be interested in doing business with them because there's something we connect on some personal level. I mean, at the end of the day, that's what social networking is. It's social. <laughs> so we have to stop thinking about it as this, platform for for spewing our marketing stuff at people i mean it's not just a pipe to dump your marketing stuff into it's it's it is interesting because of course what we're seeing is like if you're just a bit more genuine i mean the, the communication is so much more personal now so much more um just it's just i don't know it's just you and that makes it easier and it shouldn't make it harder right um to to just to think in those terms, but I mean, as you're talking, Jay, it's 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 got my uh, got me thinking about this process because if we go back to some of the the days of traditional marketing, we'd run a campaign, right? We'd put all of our energy into thinking about what's the email sequence and what's it, you know, and on and on and on. And and what you're talking about is something that just doesn't end. It's just it's almost like a way of being or doing business. That, that's that's exactly correct, and and it's um, it really does require a mind shift. And I'm not to say it's not to say that you can't do marketing online, and you can, and you shouldn't do campaigns online around your marketing, which you can. What it says is that you should also be you should also be building your network and your community, and you should be doing that in a 24 seven way, you know, an always on way. It's not a campaign. You don't do a campaign to. I mean, I have people all the time. They come to me and say, "We're having this conference." You know, can you help us promote the conference? Okay, so I can I can generate buzz, I can share things, I can get people. But if you really want to promote an event and it's 12 months away, you should start now so that when the time comes to actually promote the event, you've built an audience, you've built goodwill, you've built reciprocity, people are willing to share your content. If you show up, you know, 30, 60 days before the event and all of a sudden, you know, start shaking the trees and saying, People, people get tired and bored of that. They, they, they want you to go pay for it. Yeah, yeah so, sure. So, you know, it really is, it's, it's absolutely a way of people doing business. I firmly believe that you, you need to work into your schedule. If, if you're a, a serious, um, you know, business leader, an executive, a business owner, an advisor in 2018, you need to figure out how you put time in your schedule every week to build and nurture and grow your online relationships because because the offline world of relationship building is still valid and important but it's not the only game in town and there's a whole other universe of net, of networking that you need to be doing to 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 sustain and grow and nurture your business and um, and if you're not figuring out how you can do that and your team can support you in that then I think you're leaving you're leaving value on the table you're missing opportunities to um, to not not just promote your business, but to learn about what's changing in your in your business environment. I mean, that's that's the way I you know how do I figure out what's going on in the world these days? Well, I mean, I read a few books, but not as many as I should. 
I read a ton of articles and I pay attention to what people in my social networks are sharing. That's how I stay up to date. If you're not doing that, I'm not, I think you're missing, I think they're missing something about what's going on in this rapidly changing world. Yeah, I tend to think of that whole platform building side as a completely separate process. And, and it gives me the right to ask people if they're interested in our services every now and then. I'm just, it's, um, you know, it, it makes it makes that possible um, in, a, in a very real sort of way. You mentioned something there about uh, doing this yourself and having your team. And I know that uh, a lot of our, our mindset goes to how much time does this take? Um, I'd also love your view on whether this, you know, what pieces of this can and cannot be delegated? Well, I, 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 first of all, I think it's a team activity. I think if you're a business leader, um, there's all kinds of things. I mean, you, you know, you sit in front of, as an advisor, you sit in front of a client, that's a very high value um, opportunity to, um, you know, to do what you do and get paid for what you, what you the value you're offering. I think there's similar moments, you know, in social networking where you networking, where you need to be present and it needs to be your voice. And, um, but those can be, those can be minimized to the, to the absolute minimum. And you can build around you a support team that, finds content for you to share, puts that content in your social feeds in a, in a human way, not in a machine automated way. Um, I mean, you can, you can buy those services today. You can buy, you know, content curation services. I personally, I get nervous about those kinds of services. I find, uh, well, they're cost effective, you know, I, I see sharing content, you know, to Steve's question earlier, that's really how you have relationships with people these days. That's how you compliment people and show people that you're paying attention to them. And so you, you really don't want to outsource that to some algorithm as smart as the algorithms are getting. They're not smart enough yet yeah. to be, you know, to, to understand what you want to be sharing and with who. So, so I, I would, I would, you can work with your team. I mean, you have people in your team who read stuff every day. I mean, people could help find content for you. They can help manage it for you. Uh, you can have a team that helps with your content creation even, you know, I mean, you have a blog and you, if you write once every two weeks, once a month, once every two months, I mean, you could have uh, people in your team, you can hire writers to help you develop content. So there's, I really think you need to say to yourself, we want to do this. You know, this is something we want our business to be doing. We want to be putting information out. We want to be engaging with people. We want to be taking information in. We're going to structure our time a certain way. And we're gonna we're gonna get those services, whether they're hiring external consultants or writers, or or just repurposing some of our administrative resources in house. Because there's no reason why mm-hmm. smart folks that work for you today can't be helping find ten things a week to share. I mean, chances are they're coming across them anyways, right? I mean, they're reading. Oh, I heard this article. I saw that article. Mm-hmm. I always have a great time when clients. I curate for them. I share yeah. stuff. Yeah. I suggest things they should be sharing. And then they come back and say, what about this article? I'm like, that's great. That's a great article. <laughs> yeah. You know, people see every day, they see articles that they love and they don't do anything with it. And that's 80% of the job. If you've read the article, you've said it's great. You know why it's great. You could, you know, dump something in an email and in five seconds about why it's so such a great article. That is a very valuable shareable piece of content and you need to learn how to operationalize that in in your day-to-day business um yeah so yeah it's 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 doable but it takes obviously takes planning and um and the right attitude that it's a team it's a team activity and so we've been talking about um you know developing relationships and using this as as a networking opportunity and and getting closer to your to your audience 
by doing it, can, can we make the, um, the link over into referrals? Can, can you tell us a little bit about your perspective on how these kinds of activities then ties into how referable you are? You know, I practice what I preach. And I started doing this business probably seven or eight years ago. And I had a background in social media. I had a background in financial services. And I set about to put myself out there as a guy who was an expert in social media and social networking for financial professionals and financial businesses. And I've done everything I advocate, I've done. And uh, I'm not saying that I've achieved everything, but I have met so many people online. I have um, attracted referrals, partnerships, new business opportunities. Um, uh, and it's, you know, some of them are clients who find me. Most of the time, it's other professionals who say, I have a client that needs exactly what you're offering. And that's, that's where it comes from. So I, to me, it's, it's very important when you under, you know, to, to go into these activities with a very broad sense of what ROI is, what your return on investment is, and to have a very broad sense of what referrals are. It's not just uh, end clients who are going to come to you because they see you on Twitter. In fact, it's going to be somebody who you built a relationship with over a couple of years who's another influencer in a different area, in a different space. You've built up a rapport, gotten to know them. That person happens to know someone in your city. And they and and that person is looking for an advisor, and so the the influ the influencer you built a relationship with tells the person they should call you because you've built the relationship with the influencer. I mean, this is this is the entire point of the conversation that the target market when you go online is not, in fact, your end clients. In many cases, it's these folks who who give you authority, who give you visibility and access to markets. And who will make referrals to you because you because of the relationship with them, with the influencer, and not it having anything to do with the client. So, so I I think it's you know I, is it the only channel? No, I mean you, there's lots of things you should be doing, but is it? I think it's one of those hygiene things in the 21st century and approaching 2020. I think if you're not doing this as you're in a habit habitual way in your business. And if you're not figuring out how to empower other individuals that also work in your business that are customer facing and, and community facing to do this systematically, then you're missing opportunities that are going to come to people who are visible in those spaces. Well, that was well said. I feel like I need to just stop it right there. Uh, the, um, <laughs> yeah. um, we are Couldn't actually, think of a better conclusion yeah, I know. than that. So that wraps <laughs> it up. But look, we are we are just uh, hitting over time a little, and and this is. Um, you know, it's a different way of thinking, and and as I said, I've known Jay for a while, and I I, I listen, and it's 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 changing the way I think I behave. So, but it does take some time to to really let it sink in, try some things, and and so I just love what you've had to say here, Jay. If people want to find uh, you, find out more about what you do, where can they look? Well, Google is the uh, the place we all go to find me. So, <laughs> Jay Palter on Google, you'll find everything. I'm on Twitter, Jay Palter, very actively there, and I'm on LinkedIn. So, between those, you should have no trouble finding me and um, finding my website. And uh, I'm happy to engage and have conversations. So, it's all about uh, it's all about sharing value that way. And I, I look forward to those kinds of opportunities. That's wonderful. Well, thank you again for, for taking the time today. Really appreciate that. No, it was a great conversation. I enjoyed it. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Jay. Hey, folks, Steve again. Thanks for joining us on Becoming Referrable. If you like what you've been hearing, 
please do us a favor and rate us on iTunes. It really helps. You can get all the links, show notes, and other tidbits from these episodes at becomingreferrable.com. You can also get our free report, Three Referral Myths That Limit Your Growth, and connect with our blogs and other resources. So until next time, so long.